few weeks ago, Cindy and I got a gift from Luke and Sam. And reminded me of the Jetsons. How many of you are old enough? I've asked this before, but I forget. How many are old enough to remember the Jetsons? George Jetson and all of them? When they had all these gadgets and gizmos. and So they give us this, and then we open it up, and it says, an air fryer. An air fryer. Well, that's really nice. I look at it. It's shiny and chrome, and it's programmable, evidently. And, and uh, I guess it'll prepare food. I had never seen one before. I had heard of them before. Um, wasn't really sure that I cared whether I knew about them or not. Basically, I was just totally, truly ignorant of how they worked. Ignorant of what they could do. Ignorant of what the benefits of it could be. I was ignorant about how good the food could taste and even still be healthy for you. So basically, I was ignorant. You know, we could have opened that present and then put it on the counter and said, wow, look at that thing. Isn't that pretty? Shiny? And just left it sit there. But my wife's way smarter than that. So what did we do when we opened it? First thing, get out the directions. Get out the manual. Begin to learn what this thing can do and how it does it. And as soon as you, well, I think she may even went to the recipe book first to see what you can cook in this thing, what you can do with it. Um, all of a sudden, we realized, and I even realized, that remaining ignorant would do nobody any good whatsoever. And it certainly wouldn't give us the benefits of what this air fryer could do. It would have been a waste of money, a waste of time, a waste of effort. Ignorance is something that is addressed in the Scripture. Paul addresses ignorance. And he says things like, I would that you would not be ignorant. And then he goes on and he teaches us a few things. If we would remain ignorant of spiritual gifts, it would stunt our spiritual growth. If we remain ignorant of spiritual gifts, it would certainly limit us in fulfilling the destiny that God has for each one of us. If we remain ignorant of spiritual gifts, it would hinder the church in carrying out what the church is supposed to carry out in advancing the kingdom of God. So when you look at spiritual gifts and their importance, it's amazing how ignorant we can be because in some cases we've never even heard of them. And if we have heard of them, we've not understood them. Sometimes we've seen what are called spiritual gifts in operation, and we thought, that's weird. I want nothing to do with them. In all cases, it's, a, and it's an ignorance or an abuse that's causing us to think that way. And Paul addresses this specifically to the church in Corinth. You notice when Paul is kind of rebuking and then teaching and training the church in Corinth, He's addressing a church where things have gotten a little bit goofy. Things have been gotten out of order. They're, they're using the gifts for the wrong things. More often than not, you know, personal gain. And in the whole time that he's addressing this issue, he never once puts down spiritual gifts. 
he talks about the abuses and using them correctly. And we want to see how spiritual gifts can assist the church in advancing the church's role and its mission in building the kingdom. Just before Jesus ascended to heaven, he had told to his disciples to go and wait in Jerusalem. And he says, when you go and wait, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power specifically to be my witnesses. Power to advance the kingdom. And to receive this power and utilize this power, it's an act of faith, as we'll see a little later. And the spiritual gifts, and keep this thought in mind as we talk about the spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts are to strengthen our faith and help us grow the faith in other people. Whatever the spiritual gift is. That's one of the things, the key things that makes it a spiritual gift. It builds our faith and helps us build the faith of other people. Spiritual gifts are given to individuals or groups of people or to churches to be, be a serving tool from God. They're to serve the body of Christ, to serve other people. They are to empower us. He told the disciples, wait until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It empowers our gifts. It strengthens our lives, our faith. It strengthens our Christian walk. Um, You can see why Paul is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. I want you to know and I want you to understand. So we're going to be looking at the, at the spiritual gifts. I'm going to start out with some general comments about the spiritual gifts, and then we'll look at them a little bit more specifically. First thing we need to know is God wants us to understand them. Our Heavenly Father wants us to understand spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12:1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. I want us to, to think about the impact, and I don't want to overstress this, but I do not want to ignore this reality. Our spiritual gifts being empowered by the Holy Spirit help us overcome and defeat the devil, to overcome and defeat the enemy in, in many, many different ways. So they have an important part, and that's why he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. How does the devil primarily work in our mind? with lies and deceptions and counterfeit. I do not want you to be ignorant. I want you to know so those lies, those deceptions, those counterfeits have no impact on you. It's important. God wants us to know these things. Ignorance allows the enemy to wreak havoc even in the life of a believer. It's like knowing there's a problem and you have a cure right here, but you don't know it's the cure or you don't know what to do with it. It's like saying, gee, I need to start eating healthy. I need to get away from all these fatty foods and oils. I mean, this is really a fantasy I'm talking about in my life. But I I should get an air fryer. Okay, I put it on the shelf, and I look at it and say, what do I do with it? It's just taking up a whole lot of space. And God said, no, don't let your spiritual gifts be like that. We need to understand and activate our spiritual gifts so that we can not only advance the kingdom, but to advancing the kingdom, we have to defeat the enemy. He's already defeated by God. We need to walk it out. So understanding and stirring up these gifts in us awakens this power and authority that's in us by the Holy Spirit. 
You know, if you think about all the things that we've been talking about the Holy Spirit the past number of weeks, we think about God himself saying and Jesus saying, wait until the power comes. If we are born-again believers, the Holy Spirit indwells us. If we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have been immersed in the Holy Spirit. These gifts, this power is there. It's available for each one of us to utilize it. So God wants us to understand them. And he also knows and tells us clearly that in your understanding them, they will profit you as a child of God. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to now each one the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good or to profit all. They're a good thing. They're a God thing that he wants us to understand and utilize. And he wants us to actually, actively, actually pursue these gifts. You know, there's at least three scriptures, maybe more. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, eagerly desire the greater gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 1 Corinthians 14, 12 are both on the screen also. He says, go for it. Discover what they are. Seek them, desire them, activate them. You're not going to have all the gifts. No one of us has all the gifts. But we all have at least one gift. And I would feel very confident in saying you all and I have more than just one gift. We need to discover what they are if we don't know what they are. There's some simple things you can do to discover your gifts. One, ask yourself this first. What is it you like to do? That'll give you a, a good arrow pointing in the direction of what one of your gifts might be. Ask other people what they see in you in terms of spiritual gifts. And then we can get more analytical and take a spiritual gifts assessments and do all those things that we as human beings love to do. But we can discover them, walk them out, study what they are in the Scripture. And what I'm going to be covering today, uh, we could spend more, many weeks probably just on this. So I'm just going to be touching on the spiritual gifts, introducing us to them, and trusting that you are going to pursue and look at the Scriptures that we talk about a little more deeply. First thing I want to talk about is this. Who gives the spiritual gifts? Where do they come from? Most of us and most people and a lot of theologians and their books, the commentators, the commentaries you'll read, um, just refer to them all as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Right? Would you agree with that? That's most common. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't know that it matters a whole lot because the Holy Spirit is God, just as Jesus the Son is God and as God the Father is God. So it doesn't maybe matter, but I think it's interesting. If you look at the Scriptures, and that's what I always want us to do, look at the Scriptures and say, who gives us these gifts? We are going to discover that the gifts don't just come from the Holy Spirit. We're going to discover, for example, the gifts uh, that are referred to, and you'll get used to these terms maybe, the motivational gifts of Romans 12. Let me read verses 3 through 6. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. We'll look at this a little bit more in a few minutes, but who is giving us that grace? Where are those gifts coming from? God the Father. They are connected to faith. And that's why I said earlier, they are connected to the faith and the grace that he gives us. They're given by God. And notice they're called gifts. They're not called gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're called gifts. 
Then if we look at the second group that we're going to be looking at in a few minutes, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, commonly referred to as the ministry gifts. Who gives the ministry gifts? Jesus said, well, I'm going to go to the Father, and when I ascend to the Father, we're going to send, I'm going to send these gifts to the church, the ministry gifts. In Ephesians 4, 8, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, who ascended? Jesus. He led captives in his train, and he gave gifts to men. Jesus gave the gifts. God the Father gave the gifts. And the third group we'll be looking at today are called the manifestation gifts. Manifestations of what? The Holy Spirit. When you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So we see, I think, quite clearly, and not that it's a big deal, but I think it's quite clearly God the Father gives gifts, God the Son Jesus gives gifts, and the Holy Spirit gives gifts. And they are all empowered by the Holy Spirit, whoever the giver is. And all three are God. So it really doesn't matter a whole lot, but I like us to try and say, what does the Scripture really say instead of just this generality that they're all gifts of the Holy Spirit? So we're going to be looking at some of them. I want to start by looking at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6 to kind of expand on what I've just said about the giving of the gifts. It says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And then there are different kinds of working, but the same God works in all of them and all men. I think it's interesting there in that scripture how we see the Trinity tied together in the giving of gifts. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit giving these gifts to men, giving his gifts to the church. So we're going to look at the different groups. And as I said, this is not going to be really in-depth, but I hope it gives us a good understanding or the basics of a beginning to have a better understanding. We're going to look at the ministry gifts first and not spend as much time on this one. They're in Ephesians 4, as I said, chapter verses 11 through 14. And he gave some, Jesus, gave some apostles, prophets, and evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers. Why did he give them? It goes on and tells us clearly, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service or for the work of the ministry. Those five gifts are given to the church to train up the church to do the work of the ministry. Those five people aren't the ones doing all the work. Matter of fact, that'll limit things in a hurry. Just think that in this church, the pastors were the only ones doing the work. That would mean Bob, Casey, and I would be doing all the work. We're not that good. We can do so much more when the body is trained up and released and empowered to do the work of the ministry. You're going to reach people that I'm never going to meet. And you're going to be better at doing it than I could ever be. That's why these, guys, these gifts are given to the church to train them up. And it says, until, and I'll mention this a little later, but I want to hit it now, because one of the things we often hear about the gifts, church I grew up in, one of the things you would hear is, well, a lot of these gifts, they don't exist anymore. They passed away. They left when the, uh, with the apostles or whatever. They're, they disappeared when the canon of Scripture was agreed to. When, when we got King James Bible there, it's the perfect has come. 
But that's not what it says in the Bible. It says these gifts are given to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature man to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. How many people do you know who have matured to the fullness of Christ? Me either. They're still there. They're still active, and they're still necessary. When we remove these and eliminate these, it's like dwarfing the church's potential. They're needed. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. The apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We sometimes just refer to them as the fivefold ministry gifts. The second group of gifts are called the motivational gifts. Now, the Bible doesn't call them these things, right? This is, this is men grouping things like we like to do to make it easier to understand things. The motivational gifts. Romans 12 is where you'll find the motivational gifts listed. And in verse uh, verses, uh, 3, it says, For the grace given to me, as I read earlier, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And I stress this measure of faith God has given you, especially with the motivational gifts. Because when you read this in Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, and you read these gifts as they're listed, I think the seven of them, you could easily ask yourself, don't unbelievers have a lot of these gifts? And I'm going to say it this way. I would not consider them spiritual gifts, but I would certainly call them talents. The motivational gifts are kind of the gifts that define a lot of our personality, a lot of who you are. When you go through this list of gifts, you could kind of look and say, ah, yeah, maybe I've got this one, this one, this one. Maybe you've got, I believe, you've got a little bit of all of them, of these seven. And I believe they were woven into you by God in your creation, in your mother's womb. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, I believe these attributes or characteristics are woven into our being, our personality, if you would, but they do not become spiritual gifts until they are empowered by the Holy Spirit when we are using them by faith to strengthen other people's faith. That doesn't happen in an unbeliever. So let's look at Romans 12, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it is leadership, let him give, govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leadership, and mercy. When you hear that list, do some of them jump out and say, yeah, that's kind of me, that particular area. Yeah, that's one of my strengths. When we look at other people, we can generally see that in them. And quite frankly, you can see that in them whether they are a believer or an unbeliever. So does a believer, unbeliever have a spiritual gift? I would say no. They have this talent woven into them by God. In Psalms 139, 
verse 13, it says, For you were created, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. These gifts are an expression of faith to strengthen other people's faith when they are activated in a believer. Sadly, a lot of times you see unbelievers utilizing these gifts way better than believers. And they may have a stronger gifting in a particular area. I understand that. But you and I as believers, they should be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Those gifts, when we are using them properly, by faith stepping out and using them for the glory of God to build other people's faith. To use these gifts to build the kingdom wherever you're at in your workplace, whatever God's called you to do using these gifts. It's interesting. I read a study this week that was done by a secular organization to use the the motivational gifts of Romans chapter 12 and teach them to people in the business world who are hiring people to make sure that they can hire the best people for a specific job. Doesn't it make sense? They have all kinds of other terms and ways of doing it and personality profiles. This study was specifically looking at Romans chapter 12 and saying, what are the motivational gifts for this person? What is the job that we have? Which person with the right motivational gifts would best fit in that job in the secular world? It's because God has woven us and created every human being that's ever been born in their mother's womb. And I believe these traits, these talents, have been built right in. Until they're a believer and activated by the power of the Holy Spirit, I would not call them a spiritual gift. Same title, same gift of teaching, but there's a difference in the way it's used and how it's being activated by the Holy Spirit and to build faith in you and I. John Piper, this is a quote of his, explaining what I've just been trying to say. He says, no matter what the abilities we have, if we're not relying on God and to aim, help other, aiming to help others rely on Him, then our ability is not a spiritual gift. It's a natural ability. It's a natural ability given by God, even though an unbeliever may not recognize that or know that or acknowledge that. It's been given to them by God, but until they are believer, activated by the Holy Spirit, it's not a spiritual gift. So the ministry gifts, the manifestation gifts, one thing I should go back on the ministry gifts probably, um, sometimes we refer to them as offices. Uh, that's even um, a point of contention amongst different groups of people. You know, they're, they're a different type of gift. They are given to a smaller group of people. doesn't make them a better gift or anything like that, but they're given to a gr- smaller group of people to build up the church. So when you think of it, it's almost more a little bit more like a job description. We're going to give that to the church. God says, you know what? We need some prophets. We need some apostles. We need some teachers, pastors, and evangelists. He gives that to the church. We're all called to evangelize, right? But we're not all evangelists. 
The Bible says we can all prophesy, but that doesn't make us all prophets. We are all teaching somebody something, but that does not make us teachers. So, let's go on to the manifestation gifts. And these are referred to in Scripture as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to go ahead and read verses 4 through 11. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all people. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Who gives these gifts? The Holy Spirit. Why does He give them? For the common good, to profit all. For, no, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, distinguishing of spirits or discerning of spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. So if you go through that scripture, you'll see nine different gifts listed. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living in you is manifesting through you in one of these ways. For what reason? The common good. To benefit people. To benefit others. We need to receive them by faith. Activate them and step out in them by faith. So you may have one of these gifts, but you've never used it. I should maybe rephrase that. I believe every single one of us has at least one of these gifts. You may not know it as such, and you may not have stepped out in it because of fear, fear of what everybody else might think, uh, whatever reason. Our goal is they're for the common good. If we have these gifts, we want them activated in our lives. We want to diligently desire them. We want to understand them. That's why there is an aspect of training in using the spiritual gifts. We can't take someone who has, or we, or we shouldn't, take someone who absolutely doesn't have that spiritual gift and say, well, we're going to make you this. No, that would be stupid. The Holy Spirit is the one that knows when that gift should be released in the life of a person to minister in some fashion to another person and ultimately building their faith. So as people, we love to categorize things. So there are three recognized categories, and depending on what you're studying, you might see different titles over each one. The three that we're going to be looking at are the three titles I used are Revelation Gifts, Power Gifts, and the Inspiration Gifts. The Revelation Gifts. The Word of Wisdom, Word of Knowledge, and Discerning of Spirits. Revelation. For these gifts to operate we need to be given some sort of information from God that we would not know in a natural way. A word of wisdom. If you operate in a word of wisdom, this is a great one. Word of wisdom. 
God gives you the wisdom of how to take and utilize whatever it is that's being revealed. Where the word of knowledge is a revelation of information that you couldn't know by natural means. You ever had somebody pray for you, or maybe you prayed for somebody else, and all of a sudden, without even thinking about what you're praying, and you not having told them what to pray about, what comes out of your mouth or their mouth is like, and then they go, how did you know that? I didn't know that. Where did it come from? You might have said, I don't know. The reality is it came from the Holy Spirit. Even in your time of prayer, not even realizing, God gave you a word of knowledge. You know, one of the things that we do, and you've heard me say this before, but before our healing and worship services, our ministry team meets in the back room and we pray. And one of the things we pray and ask God for is words of knowledge. And I write them down. He gives words of knowledge. He's given words of knowledge to the 9 and 10 and 11-year-olds in there praying with us and some of us oldsters. A word of knowledge. And it's amazing when we have people come forward for prayer. How did you know that? And you know what's really cool? They come forward. I might read off a list of certain things. and It might be something. Somebody's got some severe pain in their right jaw shooting up into their ear. What do you think that does for their faith when they hear that? The gifts. We activate them and use them in faith, and it builds another person's faith. By the time they come forward for prayer, I just love to say, wow, that's you? Isn't that amazing, the God of the universe? Knew you had a pain in your jaw? He must want to do something with that pain. Like heal it. The gift activated. Word of wisdom. What do you do with this word of knowledge? Sometimes you get a word of knowledge and you go, oh boy, what, the, what do I do with that? Well, God says, if any of you lack wisdom, what are you supposed to do? Ask for wisdom. And he will give you wisdom. That when you need that gift of wisdom, it just comes. I'd like to say I looked at the air fryer and I just knew what it was supposed to do. I didn't have a clue. Even after Cindy explained it to me. And there's a discerning of spirits. Really important, important gift in the body of Christ. Remember again, Satan is a what? A liar and a deceiver, and he's a counterfeiter. He can make counterfeit things that appear to be miracles happen. He can give a counterfeit healing. How do we know it's counterfeit? It won't last. How do we discern when something's said? If somebody says something, you receive a word or something, somebody comes to you and says, hey, I think you're supposed to. Oh, good. I wonder if that's from God or somewhere else. The human spirit or another spirit. A discerning of spirits, that ability to perceive what type of spirit is in operation at a particular time. Can you see why they're called and grouped as revelation gifts? They are things that we couldn't know for sure in, in our natural mind, our natural ability. But God releases it at the right time. And through whomever he wants, through whomever he wants. You may get a word of knowledge sometime and you may not get another one for years. Who knows? But just at that right moment, you know the right thing to ask somebody and it's like a dam burst and you get to minister into their life. Because God showed you what to even ask and you didn't know why you asked it. The revelation gifts. The power gifts. 
This is where God does something through a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The power gifts. It's not something that you do, or this guy does, or this guy does, or this gal does, in their own strength. I'm going to go see so-and-so. Boy, is he a healer. He's not healed anybody. The gift of healing may be operating through him, but he is not a healer. That's kind of a red flag in my mind, first of all, without the discerning of spirits. You know, these are gifts where God releases a power and manifests through us, but sometimes it happens through us, even, but all we're doing is saying something. But we've had testimonies where people have been healed during our praise and worship when the worship team is up here singing a song. Who healed them? The same one who heals them when you stand and lay hands on them and pray for them. That's who healed them, the Holy Spirit. It is so awesome that the Holy Spirit will work through people. And we get to be a part of that. But we need to understand that these power gifts are gifts from God just through us. First one, gift of faith. Now, if you know the Scriptures at all, you know that the Bible says, we, and we read the Scripture this morning, we all have a measure of faith. This gift of faith is that faith that comes upon you when you're facing that situation that everybody else goes, how in the world are you getting through this? There is no way I could believe for that. In the natural, there's been lots of things that I would say, there's no way I can believe. I can hardly believe for a child care center. But God's put something in our heart, and we're going to believe for that. It may be, how can you go through this? I don't know, but I trust God. I have faith. Everything looks impossible. Gift of faith that he releases into us that, that waits on God expecting him to do something. That's the key. That gift of faith. I'm going to wait on God and I expect him to do something. And I'm going to trust him to do it when and how and why, whatever. I'm not going to start putting my restraints on the way that gift works. The second power gift, the gifts of healing. And if you notice closely when we read those scriptures, that one says gifts, plural, of healings. I believe there are multiple gifts of healing, and I believe it may, may mean body, soul, spirit. Emotional healing, physical healing, spiritual healing. But there are gifts of healing. Different types and manifestations of healing. It's, it's so exciting when you pray for someone for emotional healing and you maybe get a note in the mail the next week or they come the, a week or two later or maybe it's the come the next healing service and they say, you know, since that night, I have not had this despair, this feeling of darkness in my life. That's a healing. God healed them with one of his power gifts. And the working of miracles. Sometimes we can get miracles and healings a little bit confused. They sort of seem to overlap. I just look at miracles and, and define it simply that something is beyond the demonstration of natural laws. So you can see how a healing and a miracle could be hard to distinguish sometimes. But sometimes when you're praying with people, you might even ask the Lord as you're praying, do I need a miracle? Do they need a miracle here? Do they need healing here? Uh, if he wants to do it, it doesn't matter what we think it is. 
but sometimes it helps us to, to in our time of praying with them, to pray specifically, as specifically as we know how to pray. So the revelation, wisdom, knowledge, and discerning of spirits, power, gift, faith, healing, and miracles. And then what this, this uh, grouping is called, on the, the one I'm using is inspiration gifts. This is where, where God flows his blessings through other people for the edification, encouragement, comfort of the one receiving this gift of ministry. Gifts of prophecy, gift of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Gift of prophecy can be everything from an anointed proclaiming of God's word to a word of encouragement. The New Testament prophet is to encourage, comfort, and exhort. Um, it, with the prophet, that fivefold ministry gift, you may get a directive from the Lord, direction. But when it's talking about you all may prophesy, we're, we're probably not to be giving directives. Ours should encourage, comfort, and exhort these words that we would speak from the Lord. Tongues. You know, you can go through almost all these lists and kind of do all right until you get the tongues and then people start to cringe. Gift of tongues. It's just so weird. Really? Tell me that laying hands on somebody who's blind and them getting their sight isn't weird. It's not natural. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The gift of tongues. And it's what's being talked about here is a gift of tongues, speaking in a language that I don't personally understand, and doing it in a public setting. In a public setting. It's not talking about a private prayer language. It's in a public setting. And when the gift of tongues is released, does anybody know in Scripture who it says that gift of tongues is for? The unbeliever. How weird is that? The Bible says that gift of tongues is for the unbeliever. Most of us feel like, gee, I think I'm supposed to give a message in tongues. Oh my gosh, watch the visitors leave. But it says it's for the unbeliever. But it needs the next gift to be of any benefit to the unbeliever or to the church. And that's the gift of interpretation of tongues. This is where we are given that ability by God, the Holy Spirit, to express the content of what was given in the message in tongues. So they work together. And actually, they would all be sort of prophecy. Even the message in tongues, until it is interpreted, it doesn't do anybody any good, but it's in there. And notice, it is interpretation, not translation. Because sometimes if you, you hear a gift, uh, you hear the, somebody delivers a message in tongues, the gift of tongues operates, and it goes on for six seconds. And somebody receives an interpretation, and it goes on for a minute and a half. It's like, what in the world was that all about? Interpretation is giving the meaning of the content. You know, somebody can say something to me in five seconds or less, and I go, huh? Explain that to me. And then they start explaining it to me, and it might take them ten minutes till I understand it. It can be like that. It's, a, it's an interpretation of tongues, not a translation. And these are what we call, in this case, the inspiration gifts. 
So you see those nine gifts. So we've looked at gifts in Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Now there is one more grouping of gifts that is found in 1 Corinthians 12 at the end of the chapter, verses 27 through 31. But if you look at them, and I think I had that slide, or didn't I? Yes. You'll see there, it's kind of a, a unique that it took a couple here from the ministry gifts, a few from the motivational gifts, and a few from the manifestation gifts. So there's no new ones listed. It's just another listing so we know they're there in the Scriptures. Okay. I'm going to go again kind of quickly because I've said some of these things, but I think they're critical in beginning to understand the gifts. The first one is they need to operate in unity and in love. They need to operate in unity and love. Romans 12, 4 and 5. Just as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I'm sure we've all seen certain physical diseases where there's a short, shortage in the brains and the nervous system. The nervous, central nervous system and the muscular system aren't working together in a person and it doesn't work right and the body doesn't work right. And when it's all perfect and it's working together in unity like it does for most people, praise God, it, everything goes pretty smooth. That's what it's saying about the gifts. We've got a whole bunch of gifts that need to operate in unity, and as they operate in unity, there is a power of all that's released, and the church is so much more effective than it would disunity. And it's, it's more effective when we're all using our gifts. You know, we don't want to have chair sitters in a church. It's nice. It looks good if we take a picture. God, the chairs are all full. You're not called to fill a chair. You're called to do ministry. When we come here to gather together, we come to gather together to build one another up, to encourage one another, hopefully get spiritually fed and spiritually feed the people that are here so when we go out into the world to do ministry, we've got something in the tank. You don't get credit for just sitting in a chair. When God's going to hand out rewards in heaven, He's not going to say, you filled that chair so well. It's not important. Is church important? Yes for the reasons I said. But going to church doesn't save anybody. Right? Unity in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For even as the body is one and many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Unity does not mean we're all the same. Look around the room. There is great diversity in this room. None of us are exactly the same. But we can still be in unity by the Holy Spirit. And probably important as anything else I've said, and we've stressed this previously in other messages, but love. You know, if you're familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, it tells us you can do all these things, but if you have not love, you're worthless. You're a clanging gong. You're of no good. You profits nothing in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. The next thing I wanted to mention, I've already said, so I'm just going to say it. Briefly, the gifts are for today. All of them are for today. None of them have passed away. One of the scriptures that you will sometimes hear people who believe some of them ceased, they're called cessationists. They have ceased. They're no longer around. In 1 Corinthians 13, 
verse 10, it says, when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. And the perfect, in my mind, is quite easy to discern, even in this context, but if you know the context of Scripture, what is the perfect? Or who is the perfect? There is only one perfect. It's Christ. It's not the canon of Scripture. It's not the King James Bible. It's not anything other than Christ. When the perfect comes, when Jesus comes back, we will not need these gifts. It's going to be completely different. But until then, we need the gifts. And I've read first Ephesians 4, so I'm not going to read those again. So, quick summary. The gifts are called gifts, whether they're given by the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, to remind us that that's what they are, gifts. You can't earn them. They're not something we can conjure up in our own strength. They're gifts given by God. And they are a necessary part of our equipping for ministry slash warfare. That's why they need to activate the gifts in our lives. And I hope if you, if you don't, if this is all new to you and you have no idea what your spiritual gifts are, boy, ask me or any, ask, ask, ask anybody. Ask them, do you know what the spiritual gifts are? Can you help me discover mine? We'd love to. Because that's where you will be the most effective in ministry and you're going to feel the most fulfilled in your life because God's put them in there for his glory. And when we glorify God, we are blessed. He's got such a good plan. So they're absolutely essential, especially as we get nearer and nearer what we call the end times. We need them with power. We need them with accuracy. And we need them with effectiveness. All comes as the Holy Spirit empowers him. And as I've said a number of times, they're all received by faith to strengthen our faith. You know, I could have testimonies of people who received a word of knowledge in the prayer time before our services. And then as God would have it, somebody comes forward for prayer and they come right to that person who had the word of knowledge in the prayer room. I'm not sure whose faith is built more. That person that heard the word and they say, God spoke through me. He spoke to me. I get to minister. He spoke to me. God, I have all the millions of people, on billions of people on the planet. He spoke to me. And the other person should be going, of all the billions on the planet, he spoke about me. It builds our faith. That's what the gifts are for, to serve others and build faith. Let's close in prayer. Father, I pray that you would take all of this information that I gave so quickly, Lord, and you would challenge each one of us to look into the Word, to begin to discover and understand for ourselves that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Father, that you would help us get past any misconceptions, any false training, any deception of the enemy. Father, that we might embrace the gifts that you've given us that the Holy Spirit would empower them and you would work through us, that we would get to be a part of what you're doing by the, by the flowing and using of these gifts. Father, I thank you for the, every single one of the gifts and I thank you for every single person who is allowing that gift to be activated through them for the building of faith and for the building of the church and advancing the kingdom of God. 
So I pray, Lord, that you would continue to stir up in each one of us the gifts and the desire to know our gifts. Father, we pray that as as this happens, Father, that we would truly use them in unity and in love, that you would receive all the glory and honor. Lord, I pray now as we go our different directions that you will go before us, that you will watch over us, protect us, keep us safe. God, I pray you give us the ability to discern those opportunities, the divine appointments that come our way every day, every week. Give us the boldness to speak out and speak out in love. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.